Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Lattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And we're talking about bats this week. Um, bats in danger. Yeah. Uh, my last encounter with bats, really, because I mean, I know they're around, but I don't really see them. Um, but the, the last time I really had an experience with bats was when I was on my honeymoon. Um, me and my wife were in Yalapa, Mexico, which okay. is near uh, Puerto Vallarta. And uh, it's a beautiful place. And they have all these like huts that you stay in. And um, um, we, we noticed when we got in that there were that uh, at the top of the huts, they had these like plastic screens um, uh, blocking off uh, the outside. And yeah. we, at first we thought, oh, I guess they, you know, just forgot to put a window up there that, you know, maybe it blows rain in. Uh, we found out later. You're such was, an optimist, Robert. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I found out later that these were, this was to keep the fruit bats from coming in. Because oh. the fruit bats will like fly around on the island and they'll apparently get like, eat, just gorge themselves on fruit and then go uh, shack up uh, wherever they can find cover. And if they can get inside one of these huts, they'll do it. And they'll just hang up in there and then just crap all over the place during during the uh uh during their stay there so like people would were staying here you know often i'm thinking on you know romantic getaways or their their honeymoon or some special vacation and it takes a lot of trouble to get there you have to go on this like little boat that this really jarring open boat ride to get there and then uh you know you put your stuff luggage inside leave to hit the beach come back and there's bat guano over everything yeah that's not the way to kick yeah. off a honeymoon but luckily, ours, we didn't encounter that. We just encountered plagues of crabs every night. Oh, like the the crabs you mentioned in Amazing Infestations? Yeah, about like that. Like lots and lots of crabs, like crawling around. You had to just get in the bed at night and just not get out. <sighs> yeah, my uh, my bad experiences are, are not nearly so exciting. Um, I remember growing up in the Northeast. We'd be hanging out, maybe playing a game of kickball as the sun was setting, and either bats would start to come out being primarily nocturnal creatures. And we did this weird thing where we would throw our shoes up into the air to mm-hmm. see if the bats would go after them. And they would. You know, they would fly fly down and dive bomb for our shoes. But they never they never picked them up. I imagine our shoe was probably <laughs> I never a little, wore them. A little, <laughs> <laughs> I never saw a bat, you know, fly away with one of my shoes on. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty much my bat huh. experience. I've heard of people jumping on trampolines before. And if they're jumping on them at night or, or around dusk, that uh, their their hair will you know fly up in the air and the bats will come in like dive at their hair. Oh no! Yeah, that that's enough to. So to get if me you need another trampoline. reason not to jump on a trampoline, there you go. So unfortunately for the uh, the insect eating bats, there's a pretty serious um, bat plague going around that you may have heard about because it's been around I think since 2005 2006 in the winter. Yeah, um, they uh, basically a uh, a caver discovered this right. He. Uh, yeah, as a caver uh, up in upstate New York, I think in a house cave near Albany, New York. And this caver took the first known pictures of the um, of bats with uh, what they're calling white nose syndrome. Yeah, they're just uh, there's a number of bats in there. They've got this white stuff on their nose. Some of them were kind of emaciated. Some of them were dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, people began to figure out that there was something wrong here. Yeah, and it's not just something. It's It's a pretty darn big deal because more than a million bats have died so far. And at least three endangered species, the uh, the Indiana bat, the Virginia big-eared bat, and possibly the gray bat are at risk. And so this, this white nose syndrome um, is is causing a lot of trouble in, mm-hmm. in northeastern bat populations. And the, the syndrome is actually related to uh, a fungus. Oh. 
And so you, you like the, you like the name of this particular fungus. So why don't you say oh, it? Oh yeah, it's uh, if I can pronounce it. It's uh, Geomyces destructens. Yeah, pretty pretty serious name. Could be it could be the name of a metal band. So it's thought to be a, a non-native pathogen that uh, was recently introduced to the United States, and it's actually um, it's related to uh, Geomyces panorum, which causes skin infections in humans. That also would make a good, uh, I think, a band name. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. What was the other band name that you that you came up with? Oh, um, yeah, uh, the 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 place where a uh, the area of the cave where the the bat uh, holds up and uh, for the winter is called uh, a hibernacula. Oh, okay. Or it's a hibernaculum, hibernacula. It's the plural, but yeah, that's like if you if you're out there right now and you have a death metal band and you're like, what are we going to call ourselves? Hibernac- hibernaculum. That's what you need to go with. Yeah. Okay. So. um Back to uh, Geomyces destructans, the other band name. Um, so, so far, white-nose syndrome has only been found in the insect-eating uh, cave hibernating bats. They haven't found it in bats that use, like, buildings or other man-made structures. Um, and biologists don't think it's actually going to be found in urban environments. Okay. Bats with this particular syndrome, aside from looking like they've been eating powdered donuts or doing lines or whatever it is these bats have been up to, they have a, they, they have skin ulcers that the fungus causes. And like Robert said before, they're, you know, really, really skinny. And um, what happens is their uh, hibernating patterns are disrupted. Yeah, they start flying out to, like, eat bugs in the dead of winter, which yeah, this isn't is, going to happen. Right, that's not going to happen. I, you know what it, this reminded me of? I um, Sometimes I read uh, to one of my kids this did you ever hear the book uh, Blueberries for Sal? No. Okay, so there's this book, and Sal and her mom, uh, McCloskey, Robert oh, McCloskey. Okay. One like a Caldecott. I don't know. It's one of these classic kids' books. So they go out, you know, and they're they're picking blueberries, um, Sal and, and her mom. And uh, there's a mother bear and a baby bear who are uh, eating berries just to store up for the winter. And so I kind of just imagine, you know, what if, you know, grizzly bear woke up out of its hibernation and, you know, started crashing around the winter trying to find these berries. It's not going to happen, right? right? So same deal with the bats. So they're not going to be able to find their favorite prey, which is insects. Yeah, so it's disrupting their behavior uh, as well as uh, yes, like hurting their minds as well as their bodies. So the fungus ultimately uh, could cause them to uh, to die by way of starvation. So <laughs> biologists likely think that... Um, White nose syndrome is spreading from environments to bats and then from bats to bats because they live in these crazy close quarters, mm-hmm. you know, with thousands upon thousands of bats. And they're, uh, they're keeping, uh, actually encouraging cavers to, uh, and spelunkers to stay out of these, uh, caves as well. Right, because we might be part of the problem. Right, spreading you know. it from one cave environment to another. Yeah, so the U.S. Forest Service cracked down and they closed, like, thousands of caves in mm-hmm. 2009. And they're trying to uh, also see about, like, raising some in captivity to sort of safeguard the populations. But uh, uh, last uh, we heard, it hasn't actually been working all that well. Yeah, the National Zoo was uh, awarded some funds to raise uh, Virginia big-eared bats, one of the endangered species of bats that they're worried about. Mm-hmm. So they had a population of 40, and um, I think they were left with 11. Uh. It's just really tricky. Like they don't know how to raise bats in captivity. They're having trouble getting the bats to eat from these, you know, trays with little worms on them. Yeah, it's just not not their natural uh, way of doing things at all. Yeah, we don't really have they a natural. They need to get a bunch of kids, um, or or you know your childhood friends out there throwing bugs up in the air for them. That's what's <laughs> going to work. Shoes shoes full of worms. So the thing about white nose syndrome is that there's no cure for it. So we really just have uh, to contain its spread, mm-hmm. right? Another tricky thing about bats is that they're really susceptible to extinction because of the way they reproduce. Yeah, each female has one baby bat, like per per cycle. So I mean, it's 
per year. Per year, yeah. So it's um, you know, you, you one female bat dies, that's going to really cut into the uh, into their population. Uh, they this, they're also long living. They live about what thirty years. Yeah. So um, so yeah, they're some some animals that reproduce at a greater rate wouldn't be as uh, as hard hit by this. Like a bunny. Yeah, bunnies. Yeah, so it's really unfair. Why are there no bunny diseases going around? White bunny nose. Isn't there that one? What is it called? Tularemia. Oh this yeah. This is what yeah. happens when you live in Atlanta, like capital of public health. <laughs> um, so the bottom line about this fungal infection is that they're not sure if by itself it's causing the bats to die. They've tested some infected bats because they want to know if the infection is occurring with other stuff like viruses mm-hmm. or bacteria or parasites, but they haven't found anything yet. Yeah, it could be something that's affecting their uh, their uh, immune function and uh, making them more susceptible to uh, this uh, white fungus. And the other thing is, just because they've tested for known organisms doesn't mean that there's not some new virus out there that is mm-hmm. uh, at work in, in the bats, in the insect-eating bats. Which is another reason to keep uh, cavers and spelunkers away, because uh, you never know when one of these is going to make the jump from one species to another. Although, so far, they don't think that white-nose syndrome is... Uh, Harmful to humans. So far. I'm just saying. I'm just no, saying. don't be doing that. I don't want you to go spreading false alarm. <laughs> okay. So I do want to talk a little bit about fungal infections because they're pretty freaking interesting. Um, the thing about them, like we were just saying, is that they're opportunistic, right? So, of course, uh, fungus can cause diseases in people who uh, have regular old immune systems. Um, like there's one in Arizona, you know, that's uh, transmitted through the dust. You know, if you breathe in the soil, it's, it's transmitted by that. You wind mm-hmm. up with... Um, pulmonary problems and breathing problems, whatever. But a lot of times you'll find fungal infection occurring in people with subpar immune systems. Say you have a person with AIDS whose white blood cell count has fallen pretty darn low. All of a sudden, you know, some run-of-the-mill fungal infection, say like thrush, is going to start giving you all sorts of headaches. But one of the most feared fungal infections stems from cryptococcus. So after TB, cryptococcal meningitis has emerged as one of these like crazy fungal infections that is really just dealing the final blow to, to patients with AIDS. So it's kind of akin, if you imagine this um, in bats, you know, imagine that there's something at work uh, in, the, in the bat's immune system, and then maybe this uh, white-nose syndrome is dealing the final blow. The bottom line is they don't know. I mean, at least in people with fungal infections, they can treat them with antifungals or, you know, if you have AIDS, you can treat them with antiretrovirals. Mm-hmm. But how are we going to do that with bats? Good luck. You might be asking yourself, if you're not just a natural animal lover and bat lover, um, like, why do we care? Why are we sinking money into this? Um, and the reason is that bats, in addition to just being, you know, awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, they eat a lot of insects. Uh, that's, um, I mean, they they play an important role in the ecosystem. And what they do is they eat lots of insects. Oh, and they also inspired Batman. Well, yeah, but uh, Batman will still be here if these guys go the way of the the dodo. This is true. This is true. But uh, the little uh, brown bat, uh, one of the most common North American bat species, can catch and eat as many as twelve hundred mosquitoes in one hour. Uh, the famous colony of Mexican tree-tailed bats that lives underneath uh, the Congress Avenue Bridge in Austin, Texas, will eat up to 30,000 pounds of insects in a single night. That is crazy. That'd be like, um, I mean, I, I don't even know the mathematical uh, proportions there, but I mean, it, it, it sounds like, like if you just hit the buffet every evening and just load it up on, like, General Tso's chicken. Yeah, and these guys are still flying around for the whole night. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think humans could walk if they ate this. Much. I mean, the Komodo dragon could maybe do it. Yeah, definitely the Komodo yeah. dragon could do it. Agriculturally speaking, um, a lot of these are pests that um, 
harm our crops. So if you don't have bats there to uh, to take care of them, then how are you going to get rid of them? What, are you going to spread more uh, DDT around? Which, in addition to being ra- rather harmful um, to, to the environment, yeah, a number of these insects have uh, have evolved resistances to it. Yeah, so you remove the bats from the equation and things could get uh, a little dicier, agriculturally speaking. Mm-hmm. But I should stress that it's not exactly um, bats alone are, are controlling mosquito populations or insect populations. It is sort of a multi-pronged approach. Yeah. I mean, it's like, again, it's like they're a part of the ecosystem. The ecosystem is like this big Jenga puzzle. And if you start removing little um, little blocks from the Jenga tower, then the, t- the tower is going to get unstable. Yeah, especially if you play Jenga with your feet. Yeah, which I Have still, you ever done that? No. That, we tried once. It was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a disaster. Yeah, but you know, it's Django, so it's not like anything's going to Like, break. it sounds like an analogy. It's like, well, you're just playing Django with your feet on that <laughs> one. Yeah, maybe. Well, so aside from agricultural implications, there are also implications for public health, as you might imagine. Uh, so mosquitoes uh, like to carry diseases such as malaria or West Nile. So all of a sudden, if you have a booming mosquito population, um, we could see an uptick in, in those kind of diseases in humans. Yeah, I mean, you can actually um, purchase bat houses to encourage bats to live on your property. So they'll eat the mosquitoes, you know. I would like to have one, actually. Yeah, I, I really want to get one of those and I want to get an owl house because I like having owls about maybe a woodpecker house. I don't know. Whatever I can have flying around eating bugs is good. So what can we do about white-nose syndrome? Well, you know, there are a couple of things. Um, we could try to contain the spread as the U.S. Forest Service has done, you know, closing mm-hmm. caves and things like that. We can always throw some money at the problem. Yeah, and encourage your uh, your uh, lawmakers to support funding. And we can try to learn how to raise endangered bats in captivity fast, as the Smithsonian Zoo is doing with sort of mixed luck. Hey, actually, you can even blog about it. There's a there's a white nose blog hosted by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I did check it out. There was only one entry. Oh, it was really cute though. She was a biologist, and she was she put you know her oh, I kind of it was dis- by the bats. No, like no. that would really be more interesting. If yeah, bats were blogging. <laughs> it was a biologist blogging about bats. Try saying that ten times fast. And you also can can help out in the uh, in the bat fight. You can report um, active winter or summer roosting sites. You can you yeah. Know. If you see bats flying around uh, in the winter, like a bunch of them, not like a lone bat, but like a bunch of bats, you need to contact uh, somebody. Your local school. wildlife yeah. service. And you know you could always build a bat house. Yeah. Especially since uh, we um, most of these cases are, have been uh, isolated to caves. The more bat houses, the better. So in case all of this doesn't really make you care about bats, then we are, our final point is what about bat guano? Bat yeah. guano, as it turns out, is an amazingly useful substance. Yeah, it, it plays a vital uh, role in cave ecologies. Um, I imagine everybody's seen uh, the uh, television series Planet Earth from a few years back. Yeah. Same people who made uh, Life. Yeah, which we wrote a whole lot of mm-hmm. content around. Uh, but there's a whole episode about uh, the ecology uh, inside a particular uh, cave, and uh, there's like just a mountain of bat guano, and it and like their insects live live that live off the guano and live in the guano. Um, yeah, take that away, it, you know, remove the bats from the equation, and there are a number of other species that depend on the bats. That like the snake, kill. like the snake. There's a snake that jumps out of like 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 he's blind, and he like hears the bat flying by, and he'll just strike out and like grab a bat out of midair. It's amazing. That is pretty amazing. Yeah, so bat guano is uh, actually pretty useful uh, for its nitrogen. It's pretty nitrogen heavy. And uh, that's pretty useful when it comes to, you know, say making a bomb. Oh, good. Or uh, making household cleaner. Oh, yeah. Actually, two things on that. First of all, 
I'm, if I remember correctly, there's a part in uh, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Meridian where they uh, they're being trailed by these uh, uh, by uh, by one tri- tribe or another, these bunch of ra- this ragtag bunch of uh, cowboys. Okay, and uh, and they they're completely out of ammo, and they end up like hitting a a, a cave and like scraping up all this bat guano. Um, and then they, uh, then I think they go to like a, a, a volcano and they start and they get some more ingredients to make gunpowder and they like put it all together at the last minute and fight off the, the villains. So I mean, they're all villains in that book. But then, uh, um, and as far as it being a cleaning agent, uh, that I guess could maybe, uh, be used to, uh, uh, to one's advantage in places like Yalapa. You encourage the bats to come in <laughs> to use the restroom on everything, and then you've got a natural cleaning agent right there. Right, then you don't have to hire somebody to do it. You just, you know, get the bats. Yeah, you just get them to scrub, and then you got it taken care of, yeah. Good points, Robert. So, if you want to hear more, you can come check out the blogs on the homepage, uh, where you can find out what our podcasts for the week are about, and uh, learn about other bits of weird, sciencey news. Yeah, and you can always shoot us a comment, too. We love to hear from you. Um... Whether you have a question about bats or white nose syndrome or a suggestion for a podcast, send us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. <laughs>